What's up, Riv? How are you doing, fam? Morning, half awake. I love it. I'd be doing the same thing. Welcome to December 19th, huh? How, how many other people, just wondering, this isn't in my notes, but how many other people were like, Thanksgiving was the top of a roller coaster, and since they, they've just been like, like, in the, like, anybody else? I mean, my wife and I were like, have we even watched a Christmas movie? Like, what? It's just nonstop, like, pedal to the metal right now. Um, so glad to be here. Slow down life a little bit as we look into the, like this very seasonable uh, seasonal message today. And uh, you know, as we jump in, like people have said that my preaching style is a little bit um, you know clunky and awkward. And so I'm going to do my best just at the forefront here to be um, a little bit more like a beef brisket, a little slow and low. Okay, keeping the RPMs a little bit lower and the horsepower a little bit higher, if that's all right with you guys. And so um, as we jump in, this is the third week in a series we've been rolling through the Apostles' Creed. And so if you guys want any more information on what the Apostles' Creed is all about, why we're doing it, what a creed is, just go to our website and you can definitely check out those messages and and figure all that out. But what we're doing right now is we've decided that as we go through the Apostles' Creed, we're going to go ahead and just stand as a church and read the Apostles' Creed together every single week. So um, this is what we're going to do. We won't do it forever. Um, it's, I, I know people have some baggage denominationally with the Apostles' Creed potentially, but we're just going to do this while we're rolling through this series. So if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, we're going to just read the Creed. You got to say it like that, though. Okay, this is the Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, Our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Woo! Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Sorry, I feel like we did it. You know, like, I had a guy pushing me a little fast there, so you can blame him if that was too much for you. But, um, you know, as we jump in today, the third week, which is we're going to be talking about how Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, it's interesting uh, to think through the Christian faith. Like, we believe a lot of supernatural things, right? I mean, the last two weeks, we've talked about how we believe in God, which is supernatural. We believe this God created everything out of nothing. We believe this God, while being one, exists eternally in three Persons, and one of those persons, Jesus, is the Son of God. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross, was buried, and then he came back to life. And we believe that placing our faith in him will grant us eternal life, which all of those things are pretty darn supernatural. But when we get to what we're going to talk about today, people have this tendency just to be like, get a little squeamish, right? And I get that. Like, we don't talk about this very often, and I think some of our faith histories do have a part to play in that, but it's important. I mean, literally, I just had a conversation a couple weeks ago. I was talking to this lady, and, and, you know, she asked what I did, which is, like, either a conversation starter or, like, this is the end of our, you know, friendship, you know, sometimes. 
And so I work, you know, as a student director, you know, at a, like a school. Like, nope, I, I work at a church. You know, we talk about Jesus and we care about kids, and that's what we're all about. And so she just starts laying out this kind of baggage from the church. And, like, she really loved uh, Jesus, but she didn't like his words a lot of times. And there was a lot of friction. And, and then she just stopped in the middle of this and was like, and the virgin birth, like, no, no, no. You know, and I was like, okay, I, I guess. I don't know why you're throwing that at me right now, but this is like a disputed, it's, it's a doctrine or a topic that's, uh, that's one of the most controversial in the Christian faith. I mean, for sure, if you guys have seen this meme, like, this is what they're probably talking about. I mean, honestly, right? No, maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, good one. Slid that in there. So here it is today. He, Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. This is the truth. Here is why this piece is in the Apostles' Creed, I think. It's because of this. The nature of Christ's conception is central to the gospel. The nature of Christ's conception is central to the gospel. The gospel meaning the good news of great joy that we believe in and are saved by and stand firm in that good news of Jesus' person and work on the cross. That good news, it's central to that good news, right? And so as we open up, uh, just here's the roadmap of like this appropriately historical seasonal event that we're going to unpack today. We're just going to roll through this narrative, which if you guys have never read the narrative, it's like, I remember all the Bible reading plans. I was like, man, this is a lot of pages to talk about Jesus being born, which is, well, because uh, the nature of Christ's conception is central to the gospel, but it's a long narrative. And so just stick with me. We're going to unpack it a little bit. And then after we unpack it, I'm going to just give you two quick applications for why, uh, what this means for us as people living out the faith. And so we're going to open up to Luke 1. Uh, yeah, Luke 1 in our Bible. If you uh, didn't bring one, we'll have most of the scripture up here on the screen. So um, just a little spoiler alert too. Um, the narrative of Jesus's birth actually doesn't start with Jesus's birth, but a forerunner to Jesus, another supernatural birth. And uh, <laughs> It's funny as, as I'm talking about birth narratives, because like all of, us, all of us have a birth narrative. Maybe your parents told you a little bit about yours. You know, there's little nuances around the room. My dad used to talk about how one of his favorite pair of shoes got ruined at my sister's birth. And so didn't hear much about my birth, but we just had a three-month-old daughter, Emery Kate. Um, if I put a picture of her on the screen, it'd just be, we'd be done, right? Because it's like you're, you're upstaged by babies and dogs, and, uh, you know, that's one of them. And so we'd just be like, wow, I can't focus anymore because she's that cute. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, she does have my ears, so that's like, I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I remember her kind of birth narrative, right? This is our second kid. We have a two-year-old and a three-month-old. And so the process, we were a little more like, okay, we've been here before. And so um, if you know, you know that like, the, the like, process of delivery is a process, right? Um, but I'll never forget when, when Emery got pulled out and all the nurses in the room um, were like, <gasps> And then Casey and I were kind of like, my wife and I were like, what? And they're like, those cheeks. They're like, her cheeks were so big. I think that was like part of the problem of getting her out. And everybody like 
they gasp and like, what is happening? Like, what, 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 this must be like a really cute kid or something. And so we're relieved a little bit, but just what's the first thing a baby does as soon as they are delivered? What do they do? They cry, right? The first entrance into the cold, hard world of like, you know, perfectly sanitized world, obviously in her world, but, um, and she's crying, and she's crying, and she's crying. And, like, the nurse is all here, and you're wiping her down, trying to, ooh, you're okay, girl, you're okay. What's her name again? Emery, Emery Kate. Like, she just goes by M, though. That's what she likes. Um, all right, all right, you know, calm down. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And, and then mom's trying. Like, so Casey, you know, she's laying, oh, okay, it's okay, Emery. Like, this is mama. And I'm a dude, so I'm just like. Like, try, like, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not good with that. Hey, you should do something. Oh, I should, shouldn't I? And so I'll never forget it. This is very different than Jack, our firstborn. I'll never forget what happened. I just said, hey, Emery, this is your daddy. This is your dad. I love you. It's okay. It's okay, girl. Welcome. We love you. And she just went from like a high squeal to just boom, 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 boom. And then she was calm. And it was the most unique thing. I, and I'm like, my father-in-law is like, she's going to wrap you around her finger. And I'm like, No. She already did, you know, but, but here's, the, here's the thing as we jump into this story. There was this longing of my daughter, and that's a little embellishment, right, but a longing for her to hear the comfort of her father's voice, right? And so as we jump into the text today, let's not forget that the people of God had this longing for the comfort of their father's voice for years, Right? Luke 1 is taking place in the temple, and it had been almost 400 years since the last prophet had brought a message from God. And 700 years since kind of this uh, double fulfillment, the first fulfillment of a prophecy of the Messiah in Isaiah had happened, and now the the double fulfillment was going to happen. And it had been almost 2,000 years since the promised Messiah was to come. I tell you, the people of God had this uh, expectation, a hope, an anticipation, and more than anything, a longing to hear the comfort of the Father God's voice, right? So let's jump into the text with that in mind. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Somebody gets it. So, verse 5 here. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's, or Abijah's, or Tomato Tomato's division, named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So a priest and somebody from the daughters of Aaron. It's just this amazing pedigree right here. Uh, Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. They had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. So we're introduced to this faithful, long-suffering couple. And so, like, let's not, let's not skip over this part, right? I don't think we often think about the weight that Elizabeth and Zechariah were feeling. We have people in our lives that deal with uh, not being able to have children, and it's like, it's hard, Right? This is where they are. Child and, the childlessness can cause like all kinds of emotions. I mean, the doubts they have, the questions they have, the anxieties they feel, the prayers they pray, the unmerited shame and guilt they feel every, often for seasons of life. That's Elizabeth and Zechariah in this narrative. And on top of that, they're old. They've been doing this a long time. 
But on top of that, the scripture makes known that they are spiritual examples still. They're finishing strong whatever they can do. They're seeking and and they're living a righteous life. This long-suffering couple. So the story goes on. Even as they're carrying this social and emotional burden, the story says this. When his, Zechariah's, division was on duty... And he was serving as priest before God. So he had, some, he had a job to do at the temple for uh, multiple weeks here. It happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So this oldie but a goodie like Zechariah is priest at this time. He gets brought in towards the temple, gets this randomly chosen, huge, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to offer incense in the temple as part of the preparation of the sacrificial offering. That's what's happening. And by the way, the scripture says they cast lots, which is really crazy because what's actually happening is God is doing this awesome orchestration of getting his people or his person into the temple where he wants him at the right time to give him a message, right? Chance, I don't know if like chance is like a biblical, I don't know, maybe it is, but in this instance, it's not, right? This is Zechariah, this is what's happening. So the story goes on. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside, An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear, which is the proper, like the Tyrone Woodley response, is the response, right? They fall on their face all through the Bible whenever an angel is present. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, Zechariah, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John, and there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a a prepared people. This is what happens. An angel shows up in the temple, and Zechariah falls on his face and then starts talking about this crazy uh, thing that's going to happen. They're going to bear a son, even in his old age. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He has a special job. He's consecrated for a special job for what's about to happen. The longing hearts of my people are going to be satiated. God is no longer silent. He's at work. Zechariah, this is so, such great news, right? This is what's happening in this scene. This angel, I can like, I think we look at angels and I think we think like they're sitting there like, you, sir, <laughs> what is your profession? You know, but he's, the angel, I think, is like, whoa, I, can't, I get to deliver this message about Jesus, like the preparer, the one who's going to prepare the way for the Savior to come. I get to be a part of that. The angel's in the room like, bro, get excited. And Zechariah, like it goes on to respond in 118 through 24. I'm not going to read it, but he's like, show me a sign, you know? And Zechariah's like, I'm a freaking angel, bro. Like, what are you talking about? I'm standing right in front of you. Like, come on. And he's like, we're old. Give us a sign. 
And so the sign he gives them is like, all right, well, you're going to be deaf and mute until the fulfillment of the word I just gave you. And then Zechariah goes and he continues to serve the temple for two weeks. And then he eventually goes home. I imagine that two weeks would have felt like the last two minutes before school gets out on winter break. You know, like the whole two weeks, what's he thinking about? Like, I got to go tell Elizabeth. I got to go tell Elizabeth, you know. I don't know, you know. So he leaves and I don't know what happened in between when he got home or whatever. If he stopped at Playmakers, he's an older gentleman, so bought a brand new pair of hokas. You know, so he could run back home, knocks down, like, Elizabeth, got to tell you what the Lord's word, like, the Lord's word that was just given to me. And like I said, the process is crazy. And they, can, they, they conceive a child, right? And then they just kind of lay low for five months. And that's the end of the scene, right? Part one of the narrative of Jesus being born is John the Baptist's conception. Then, quick transition, the angel makes another stop. And so this is what Luke 1, 26 to 33 says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I think she's experiencing some of the same things that Zechariah was experiencing, but the, the, the word is just, it's more tender the way she responds. She said, the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is wild. This is the, the part of the Apostles' Creed we're, we're looking at, right? He, Jesus, was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. This is where it starts with this message. Her response, by the way, Mary's response was not like Zechariah. Zechariah's was like, show me a sign, right? And, uh, you know, that, that's how that played out. But with Mary, her response was like, it was different. This is what's happening. <laughs> she says, uh, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Side note, even she was conceived a son in, or has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for who, her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary's response, like I said, was, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done according to your word. Then the angel left her. So the angel comes by uh, this poor, seemingly insignificant young girl in an in insignificant town and starts talking about having a baby and named uh, Jesus, which is God saves, and he's going to get a throne and talking about a kingdom without end and calls her a favored one, not a sinless one, a favored one, meaning she is the recipient of God's grace, freely chosen. The Lord is with you. What are you thinking if you're Mary in this instant? 
She's receiving this special uh, initiative from God, freely chosen, this grace towards her. And like I said, her response was one of faith, belief. Hey, I believe this will happen, but how, God, how? And by the way, if you want a good definition of like what is a virgin, this is it. She's not had sexual relationship with anyone because God's people have always known that sex belongs exclusively in the context of marriage, and Mary was not married, and yet as God, a godly woman, she's waiting, which Noel says this is almost supernatural to our culture right now as it is. But the truth is, she was a virgin. How can this be, is the question she offers or asks. I believe this, but how? Because for Mary... She had no context for how this was going to take place. And the way was conception by the, by the Holy Spirit. There it is, right? And I love that little piece of, of Mary's like, response. This is what she says. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. I don't know if she said it like that. But then the angel left her. She's like, your will be done, Lord. Your will be done. Yes. Yeah, well, would you look at that? Let's do this thing, right? And I think it's easy for us to read and move on, but once again, we have to understand part of the social weight she's going to be carrying because of her response of faithfulness. She responds with, like, basically, your will be done, but there were, there's going to still be a social stigma, shame attached to her as a person pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, I mean... Everyone in this small town is going to know and think things, and you can imagine the gossip and the sneers and, and this, all the things that are going to surround her. She might even lose her husband, right? Because he's like, what's going to happen there? Which we find out uh, the Holy Spirit intervened or an angel intervened with Joseph as well in a dream in order to convince him, like, no, this is for real, bro. And she says, may it happen to me as you have said. With all that in mind, your will be done. And this is how God with us starts. Emmanuel starts, right? So what happens next? Well, the angel uh, just said to... <laughs> I love this part because it's easy to read over it, by the way. Um, it, you notice I, I said the angel dropped in a line there, right? He's like talking about everything that's going to happen with Jesus. And then he says, by the way, Elizabeth, six months pregnant. And like, what? Like... <laughs> Mary, like, why did I find out Facebook? What the heck, you know? Why didn't you call me? Like, I don't know how that conversation went, but it's just like, she, the angels just, the angels slid that in there, you know? And so what's Mary going to do after hearing that news at the back end of this crazy thing that's happening? She's going to go see Elizabeth, right? So this is what happens. Luke 1, 39 to 45. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she exclaimed with a loud cry, a loud cry Blessed are you among women, and your children will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Mary runs to Elizabeth's house, 80, 100 miles away, three to four day journey. 
after the incredible news that she gets, and she like knocks on the door and says, and she gave a greeting, right? And I don't know how elaborate the greeting was. The Bible doesn't go into it. I don't know if she was like, yo, or if she was like, baby, baby, what? Like, I don't know how she did it, but obviously Elizabeth knew what was happening as she rolled down the door and walked in. And what she does well, she starts proclaiming and affirming the significance of what's happening inside Mary. And so then the Holy Spirit person inside Elizabeth starts, boom, like, and like bumps into the womb. And then she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And like, this is crazy, awesome Holy Spirit thing happening. And it's just, uh, it's so reminiscent. Like, I have a two-year-old and a three-month-old, which means I spend most of my life at church in the lobby. Okay, so, but we started bringing bringing Jack in here, and he's like a funny guy, right? He always has his binky and his blanket, too. And my wife and I bring him over there. We get all set up. You know, we're like, we're just going to, we're going to go through worship. Lord, help us make it through worship, you know, without him jumping and distracting. And uh, so the music starts, and Jack has his blanket, which is like a safe, it's a sacred object, right, for the religion of Jack, right? And he turns, he looks at us, and then he turns around, throws his blankie on the chair, looks back to the music and just goes, <laughs> right? This is what John in the womb of Elizabeth is doing when Jesus walks in the door in Mary's womb. The mother of my Lord, right? How could you come to me? She believes Mary is carrying the Lord. She acknowledges what God is doing uh, in and through Mary, and then Mary's response is a joy-filled song. Almost like this is like such confirmation, right? The affirmation of the significance of what's happening, right? So she sings. The, the Magnificat is what it's called. She magnifies the Lord. The longing hearts are going to find its hope and their rest in Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And so then Mary stays three months, and then she goes back to her home. And then not too long later, uh, John is born. And then a little while later after that, Jesus is also born. And this is what uh, it says in Luke 2.6, which is also interesting because um, they're in Bethlehem for seemingly political reasons, right? But we know that God is orchestrating history to take place right now. So this is what it says in verse 4. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, where the Messiah was to be born. Because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Which the, the registry or how that worked, you only really had to have one person from the family. But Mary came with him because Joseph knew Mary was about to have a baby. And you know if you've ever tried to go anywhere before you're having a baby, mm-mm, right? So she comes with Joseph to be registered. Um, and it says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, King, Lord, born in a manger. It's, it's interesting a little bit, right? 
No room for him in the inn. Jesus, as an adult, would often say, oh, there's no place for me to lay my head, right? And, and as he's born, the same thing is true. Born into humiliation and eventually will die in humiliation for us. This is who Matthew writes is Emmanuel, God with us, right? Old Testament, God is with us. He has our, we have his favor. Then we have God with us. And then eventually God in us. It's kind of what's going to happen here. Emmanuel. This is the touch point of the incarnation. God made man for a very specific purpose. He emptied himself, as Paul writes in Philippians, he, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, the incarnation. Do you ever wonder why Christian organizations or the church or all kinds of people, they initiate, engage with people, they go? Like, do you ever wonder why they dive into the mess of people's lives? Do you ever wonder why? This is why. It's the model set forth by God in Jesus. He didn't count equality with God in heaven as a thing to be held onto, but he condescended. Or my favorite word when I think about the incarnation is that God stooped. He stooped to enter the world. God didn't wait for us to figure it out. He sent his son. God initiated this grace and a new relationship. So this is why, uh, this, this is the question, right? Why does the virgin birth, uh, the virgin Holy Spirit conceived birth matter? This is what we're talking about today. It's part of the Apostles' Creed. And to put it plainly, if Jesus, the Christ, was not conceived by the Holy Spirit, then he must have an earthly father. And if he has an earthly father, then he has the original sin from Adam that all of us are born into. And if he has sin... He's not the one and only eternal son of God. And if he's not God in the bod, he can't atone for our sin because he has it. And if that's true, the gospel would not provide salvation. The good news wouldn't be good news. That's why. It's a huge part of what we're trying to proclaim here, right? Jesus needed to be 100% God all of the attributes of God, and 100% human in mind, body, soul, will, emotions, in order to be the perfect high priest, substitutionary sacrifice for you, for me, and restore and remake what was stolen and broken from the God who made them. So, so, so important. This is the good news of great joy that we sing about in this season. Right? A little bit later, I love, uh, close my Bible a little too early. A little bit later, I love it, man. The angel, I think the angel's still just pumped, right, about Jesus. So Jesus is born, and he just goes to, like, these shepherds in a field, and he's like, yo, Jesus is born, you know? So uh, they're, like, in fear and stuff like that. And the angel says this, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Ooh, God with us, God in us eventually. This is really the mystery of Christmas, right? It's not just uh, Christ conceived in the womb, but now Christ conceived in our hearts. Um, 
I was thinking about this. I was like, man, I told my wife yesterday, I was like, application is really tough for this message. <laughs> and she was like, why don't you just read it to me and I'll tell you what to say. And I was like, no. But thankfully, uh, <laughs> we came to some conclusions about some good application. And uh, these are the two things that I really think about um, and which were brought to my senses because yesterday I was shoveling snow with my two-year-old. Has anybody ever shoveled snow with a two-year-old? Yeah, it, I have to believe that's what God feels like when we're trying to, like, figure out our own spiritual life, right? We get, take snow, shovel it into the driveway, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then every 30 to 45 seconds, I, I, I'm telling you, uh, I look over at Jack, and he'd be like, ah! <laughs> and it's because he was face down on the ground, like, and he couldn't get up because of his big old boots. And so I go over there, and I would stoop and pick him up back on his feet. And you know what, Jack, he says every time? Thank you, Da. <laughs> thank you, Da. It's like the cutest thing. If you, ever get, if you ever hear him say thank you at this age, it's, thank you, Da. And I think when it comes to responding to this true historical event of Jesus being born, I think our response should be thankfulness. And like, I didn't really grow up in the church like my whole life. And so I know we can be like, be thankful. And like, that's cool. But I mean, like, there's a depth to our thankfulness that is simple but not easy that we need to kind of get into. This season is a season of thankfulness. Thankfulness. The other, uh, I think, application is to believe. There's so many supernatural things across the Bible that are so true, historically accurate, and difficult. They're hard Sometimes they're hard to prove, right? And we need to kind of lean into God the same way. Lord, can you help me? Please help me with my unbelief. Because that's what God does, right? Conceived in the womb, conceived in the hearts. He does, the Holy Spirit does that work. This is the message. The good news that the longing hearts of man can find rest in Jesus. And though we had not known God like this or seen God like this before, just like little Emery, the human longing for the comfort of our Father's voice is found in Jesus. He, Jesus, was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. You guys uh, pray with me as we kind of close here. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lord, I just ask that you help us be um, really filled with joy in this season as we look not to our, the condition we're in, uh, but into the, the fulfillment of your promises and into what you're bringing us uh, into, which is a relationship with you. Help us lean into the hope that you brought, Lord. Help us really um, just proclaim, proclaim the significance of what's happened um, here and what it meant for us, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. Help us believe and help us be thankful. Amen.